This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page 134. So he explained the first part. When we say in davening, before, part before davening, before the Shema, Shereinu, Matevchalkeinu, how good is our portion? And he finished explaining what does it mean, how good is our portion? And now he's going to explain the second part, Manoyim, how sweet, Gerileinu, is our lot. So portion, he explained, refers to the Torah and the mitzvahs, which are very detailed, which correspond to our limbs, 248 limbs, 365 veins. So through Hashem made himself available, made himself accessible. Hashem, so to speak, divided into portions. Hashem is, of course, indivisible. Hashem is infinite. How can, that was a question. How can you say, I have a portion in Hashem? Hashem cannot be put into portions. But nevertheless, Hashem, who is HaKadosh, who is transcendent, and yet he, Baruch Hu, he allowed himself to be drawn down, he allowed himself to be, so to speak, accessed in portions. By doing a particular mitzvah in a particular time, you have the ability to access Hashem. But of course, when you access Hashem, Hashem is indivisible. It's like when you pull someone by the finger, you don't just get them. You don't just get the finger. The finger comes along with the rest of the body. So yes, maybe this mitzvah corresponds to one finger, but when you're pulling the finger, you also get what's inside the finger. You get Hashem. You get Hashem, of course, cannot be put into portions. But Hashem allowed Himself to be accessible by giving us all these detailed and specific mitzvahs. So that explains the first part. Fortunately, are we in our portion? That Hashem is our portion. And we can touch the divine, and we can draw down the divine and the godly through Torah and mitzvot. Now he's going to explain the next part. And then we continue. How sweet is our lot? What does this mean, how sweet is our lot? So now the author Rebbe has explained the term, our portion. He now goes on to explain the term, our lot. In the above quoted verse, and how pleasant is our lot signifying something bestowed exclusively and merited only by life. So how good is our portion refers to every Jew is equal. We all have a portion. But Lot is one winner. It's very personal. It's very exclusive. So what does this refer to? So this manifestation of light through a person's involvement in the Torah and the commandments is generally equal in every individual Jew, for we all have one Torah and one law. All Jews are equally obliged to study the Torah and to observe the mitzvah. 
Generally speaking, the resultant illumination from above is likewise drawn down equally to them all. Less. So every Jew, through any mitzvah, has the ability to access, has a portion in Hashem, is able to access and to draw down godliness. It doesn't matter which Jew, it doesn't matter which time, it doesn't matter which place, it doesn't matter which generation, it doesn't, it doesn't matter which mitzvah. The tiniest mitzvah in the code of Jewish law, the tiniest Halacha, if you do, you're following the Torah, and you're following the Torah and the mitzvot, you have a portion in Hashem, you're drawing down Hashem, you're revealing Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch. And that's equal across the board. The simplest Jew to the greatest Jew. Everyone has this power equally. Nevertheless, in a more specific way, in regard to this manifestation of light that radiates through the study of Torah and the performance of the commandments, not every nefesh, the lower level of the soul, and ruach, spirit, a higher level of the soul, and the shama, a yet higher level of the soul, is equal. For this depends on the period and time of their reincarnation and their coming into this world. Most souls of present generations are incarnations of souls that had descended into this world in earlier times. They descended once again in order to rectify some aspect of their previous incarnation. The degree of radiation the soul receives from above through the performance of a particular mitzvah depends upon the era in which the soul finds itself in this world. So although every Jew is obligated to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs, but nevertheless, each and every soul has a particular mission, an individual mission, not separate from the Torah and the mitzvah. We don't have any other agenda. Our agenda is Torah and Mitzvah. But within the Torah and Mitzvah, every soul has one particular Mitzvah. That they, that's the main purpose why the soul is coming to this world. The soul is reincarnated from a previous lifetime. So there's something that we have to mend, there's something we have to fix. And this works both ways. A, if we find certain areas in our life that are, we find very difficult, impossible, annoyingly difficult, and no matter how much we change, the more we change, the more we stay the same. And we seem like we're climbing a cliff, we're just going nowhere. Our best intentions, best effort doesn't get, gain any traction. We've been struggling and struggling. And you can think to yourself, why waste my time? Maybe I should focus on the areas of my life that are going smoothly. But perhaps this is the purpose why Yunashama came down into this world. So this idea that there is one particular, within the 613 mitzvah, there's one particular mitzvah which for your neshama is the most important. Not that the other mitzvahs are not important. But this is your particular mission, to fix this mitzvah, to correct this mitzvah, to do this mitzvah in the best way possible, to overcome a difficulty. And it may be more than one. What if there are certain areas in your life that are difficult, more than one area in your life, that are irrationally difficult, makes no sense. Every other part of your life is so organized and everything goes so smoothly in this one area. You can't seem to get your act together. 
you walk into a palace for a thousand rooms, 999, no problem, neat, beautiful, one room is chaos. I just can't get it together. Some areas in our lives, everyone, it's very personal, it's very subjective, but some areas in our life, inexplicably, we can't even explain it to ourselves because it makes no sense. Logically, it would make no sense. What's the big deal? For other people, it's no big deal. But for me, I, this is one area I just can't, can't get, gain any traction. Maybe even one, more than one area. This is my Fort Knox. This is where the gold is. This is the whole purpose of my neshama coming into this world. This idea that there's one point why neshama came down to this world it's a quite a revolutionary idea. But we, we know the famous saying, the Bashemtiv heard from his colleague, Rabbi Kahas, said that the soul comes down to this world 70, 80 years just to do one favor. Just to do one Jew, one favor. Of course, we don't know who that Jew is. We don't know what that favor is. That's why any, next time someone asks you for a favor, don't blow it because that could be the whole purpose why your soul came down to this world. Otherwise you wasted your whole life. Can you imagine? There are 613 mitzvot. There's a whole code of Jewish law. Yes, this is part of the Jewish law. I have to be kind and I have to do a favor and I have to obviously serve. But to say that this is the whole purpose and if not, I blew it and I missed the whole point. It's a very powerful statement. That's why you have to live life on edge. You know, you can't uh, be asleep at the wheel can't just coast along. It's not about just fulfilling obligations, no obligations. You always have to be in tune and ask yourself, what does Hashem want from me? It's a very dynamic and vibrant reality. So what does Hashem want from me? Every person has to ask himself, yes, it's all spelled out in the code of Jewish law. Just open the Gemara, open the Shulchan Aruch, you know exactly what Hashem wants from you. Yes, but you have to go a little deeper. Not enough. Particularly, what does Hashem want? Because there is a particular. There is a specific. There is a detail. There's one specific thing which is my primary mission. And that could be the whole reason why my soul was reincarnated and came back down into this world with all the trauma that's involved, just to get this one thing straight, to get this one thing right. Maybe I blew it in the previous lifetime. And now I'm getting a second chance to do it right. So I'm going to blow it again. So you have to ask yourself, everyone has to ask themselves this question. What is my particular mission? What is the one area in my life that's irrationally very difficult for me? And that's the signal that's how I know that this, this is, until I deal with this issue in my life, and until I master it and I deal with it, I'll never be whole. This, is, this will unlock my personal treasure. This will unlock the treasure to the rest of the 613 mitzvah. It's not this to the exclusion of all the others. But this is the gateway. This is the primary gateway that will allow me to unfold the riddle, to answer the riddle that the whole thing will fall into place, to figure out the whole puzzle that's called me, to figure it out, it's by figuring out this one thing. That's in the negative. It's also in the positive. It's about the quote. The mother says that 
he asked him, the Yamada and Shabbat, the question was, which commandment was your father most careful? And he answered, the commandment of Titus. What do you mean, which commandment was your father most careful? You have to be careful of all 613 mitzvot. True. But the Gemara says there is one commandment out of the 613 that you're most careful. Because there's one mitzvah that just speaks to you, that just talks to you. Can't explain it. But it just, one person is bika chaylam, it's their mitzvah. They just live for it. They, they, they breathe it. They, they, they look forward. This is their life. This gives them enthusiasm. This gives them passion. This, this whole relationship with Hashem and the whole relationship with Yiddishkeit is because of this one single mitzvah. Other people, it's other mitzvahs. Everyone has their one mitzvah. One is studying Torah. Everyone has their one mitzvah. Just like you can't explain, you go around the room and ask anyone, what's your favorite holiday? I think someone, no, I don't think anyone ever said Tisha B'Av. <laughs> but someone said Yom Kippur, yeah. <laughs> Everyone has their favorite Yom Kippur. Could you explain it log- logically? Why one person, Hanukkah? Hanukkah, it's not just the Hanukkah guilt, not just the latkes. <laughs> it's, it's something about Hanukkah that just. Someone, it's Purim. Another one, it's Simchas Another one, it's sitting at the Seder, Pesach. All year, they look forward to that moment. It gives them a high for the rest of the year. One is Shavuot, being up all night and listening to the Torah and the celebrating 40. One is Rosh Hashanah. You can't, it's not logical or rational. Why? There were many rabbis who had their favorite tractate. There's one rabbi who always studied Baruchus. That was his favorite Gemara. He would study it constantly, again and again and again. His soul, it just spoke to his soul. It's not something that's rational and logical. You can't explain it. Why? It's wrong. It's right. There's no right and no wrong. It's a very personal, it's a very subjective thing. Just like, that's, just like when you draw a lot. You draw a lot. It's not ra- rational. It's not logical. A lot says that you won. It's not a logical thing. But that's the idea of a lottery. It's beyond rational. It's beyond logic. It's inexplicable. It's just something that's a much deeper place than a rational logic. There's something that my soul resonates with this mitzvah. Why? I don't know. Hashem made my soul that my soul just responds to this mitzvah. One person responds to Tanya, another person responds to something else. Everyone, could you explain rationally and logically why? Just my soul just resonates. My soul resonates with this mitzvah. It just gets excited. Enthusiastic, it inflames the passion. So, if a person wants to know what's your mission in life, particular mission, of course, yeah, our mission is to study Torah and do mitzvot and to draw Hashem down, to draw Hashem's holiness, His essence into this world through Torah and mitzvot. Every Jew, all Jews, and every Jew, through any mitzvah and all mitzvot. But then there is a particular individually and collectively. Every generation has its challenge. Some generations, today's challenge is no longer a challenge. Yesterday's challenge is no longer a challenge. Every generation has its particular challenge. Every generation also has its particular strengths. Hashem gave a person a certain ability, a certain passion, a certain enthusiasm, something that we're very good at, that we excel in, we love to do, and we shine. The tzedakah that we, that's given today, 
This whole letter is all about tzedakah. It's an appeal letter for tzedakah. The tzedakah that our generation gives, it's beyond description. Perhaps never before in Jewish history has there been a generation that's given so much more tzedakah. People who give, seriously give, a piece of themselves, serious piece of themselves, everyone on their own level, 10%, 20%, many much, much more than that. The amount of tzedakah that our generation, this is the way our generation shines. Maybe it's unprecedented. The whole write-up that about Bikr Chaylam, the newspaper that we put out in the lobby on Chabad, the front page. The amount of bikr chilim and chesed and kindness, it's just, it's mind-boggling. In the positive sense. So, we have to know our strengths. Every generation has to know its strengths and celebrate it and excel in it and realize this is our gateway. This is our pathway. Through tzedakah, this opens up our gate. Through the, to the rest of the Torah this opens up our heart opens our mind opens our soul connects us and gets us excited about our Yiddishkeit and our relationship with Hashem and gives us an enthusiasm for all the rest of the Torah as he's going to say the expression is Avuch zoyer. zoyer literally means your father in which mitzvah was he careful but Zoyer also comes from the word Zohar illuminate to shine which mitzvah caused your soul to shine, to sparkle, ignited your neshama on fire. Which mitzvah causes you to be on fire with your Yiddishkeit? Make it so alive and so real and so relevant and so practical and so actual. And when your neshama comes alive, it comes alive for all the rest of the Torah mitzvah. But what's the gateway? What's the key that unlocks your soul? So you have, for him, the answer was tzitzis. That was his mitzvah, tzitzis. Maybe there are generations that tzitzis was their mitzvah. For them, it was meant the whole world. And through tzitzis, he was able to access all the rest, all the other 612 mitzvahs. But every, this is a very personal answer. Every person, every individual, and every generation. Particular generation. So the answer is, it's both the positive and the negative. It's not one or the other. How do we know it's also the positive? Because A, not every generation is a reincarnation. So you can't say that it's the things that I have to fix. What if it's a new soul? It's a rare event. Alter Rebbe was a new soul. It's a very rare event, especially in our generation. But nevertheless, this question that the Talmud asked wasn't only for old souls. What's the mitzvah? You're, it's, it's a question that's true for every Jew. Every Jew says, how sweet is my lot? As King David says in the name of all the Jewish people, you support my lot. So this applies to every Jew. Not only the Jews who are reincarnated and therefore you can ask which thing do I have to come to mend. But it also means in the positive. Every Jew out of the positive mitzvah has one mitzvah that talks to you. One mitzvah that you respond to. One mitzvah that resonates within you. Inexplicably, you can't explain it. It's like chemistry. Could you explain chemistry? Why one person you have chemistry with, another person you don't have chemistry with? It's not logical, and you can't argue with it. But it's not right. You should have chemistry with this person. He's such a great guy, she's such a great girl. It's very nice, but there's no chemistry. You can't force it. There is or there isn't. There is a soul connection, there's no soul connection. It's inexplicable. This is beyond logic or rational or reason. It's a soul thing. 
If your soul responds, the chemistry is there and you just respond, it's there. And the bond is very deep. It's like a difference between a friend, a chaver, and a yedid. You can have a friend, but then you have a yedid. A yedid is more than just a friend. It's like, you know, you're lucky if you have one in your lifetime, one or two in your lifetime. That's more than just a friend. You're like a soulmate. You're like, you just, you just resonate with one another. You just, you know, you feel so comfortable together. It's a soul connection. It's much more than just a friend. So, it's a very personal thing. You have to know yourself. But if you find, you have to find it. Because that is your particular mission. Of course, you have your portion. You're a Jew, and you have a, your portion. You're obligated to fulfill all 613 mitzvot, which gives you a portion in Hashem. But Hashem also gave us a lot. Also drew a lottery. And He says, this belongs to you. This portion belongs to you. Just like Israel was divided by lottery. For that very same reason. Why was Israel divided by lottery amongst the tribes? Because this mountain belongs to this tribe. The desert belongs to this tribe. The, 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 the sea belongs to this tribe. So too in our own spiritual Eretz Israel. Every one of us has a different... Within the whole, every Jew inherits Eretz Israel, But within that, there's particular... Within the Torah mitzvah, there's particular hills and there's valleys. Within that, there's mitzvah. This mitzvah has your name written on it. It's a person. Just like this challenge has this, your name written. Maybe more than one challenge. So if a person wants to be honest with himself and know himself, it's important to discover which, what's my lottery in life. What's my particular mission in life? What does Hashem want from me in this particular? It's a very dynamic, vibrant question. It means that Yiddishkeit is very dynamic and vibrant. So it's not enough. The code of Jewish law alone is not enough. It's not going to tell you that answer. The code of Jewish law applies to all Jews. So that's not gonna, you're not going to find your answer. You have to study Hasidus. You have to go a little deeper discover your neshama and the Rebbe to help you find that. The Rebbe could articulate what's the particular divine mission for our generation. What's our challenge? What's our particular mission within Torah Can you go and look at letters and find it? Well, it's no secret. The Rebbe, in general, the Rebbe articulated that our generation's particular mission is Avas Our generation's particular mission is selfless, causeless love, just like the, uh, the antidote to Sinas Chinam. It's unconditional Avas Yisrael, one Jew caring for another Jew, no strings attached, which expresses itself by literally all the tremendous amounts of tzedakah. But in general, an attitude of one Jew towards another Jew, of looking at another Jew, whether they deserve it or not, with that unconditional love. That's our particular challenge. That's on the positive side. What's in the negative side? One of the greatest challenges in our generation is conformity. 
Everyone wants to live like the Joneses, the, the melting pot. People are intimidated to take a stand, to stand up for what they believe, for their principles, their convictions. Everyone is so intimidated what's politically correct and, and immediately try to conform. So instead of being proud, Jewish pride, and being proud of our 3,800-year heritage that has withstood the test of time, instead of forming and molding us and being molded by what people call progressiveness, but really it's not progressive, it's <laughs> reactionary. It's going backwards, not forwards. Instead of allowing us to be formed by the Torah and having pride in our Torah, in our God, in our people, and leading the world, taking charge and leading the world and lighting up the way for the whole world, instead of just being a conformist and a follower, that's a tremendous challenge, especially in the free world that we live in. You know, it's free, but it's not free. Because people lost the freedom. They lost the freedom to think for themselves, lost the freedom to choose for themselves, lost the freedom to really be proud of who they are and not just go with the flow and fall for every, everything, every politically correct uh, nonsense that, uh, that, that's, that's paraded out there. And uh, people just lose themselves. You know, I'm Jewish, but you know, let's not too Jewish. Let's not be too public about it. Let's not. So it's, you have to know your challenge. Every generation has to know its challenge. And personally and also collectively, it's the greatest challenge facing Israel. Israel simply doesn't have the courage, doesn't have the guts to stand up for its own principles stand up our rights, stand up our principles. Um, it's, it's trying to blend in, it's trying to conform, you know, with the pressure, it's tremendous pressure. Let's not kid ourselves. It's much easier to succumb. It's easier to conform. Of course, it's, it's a dead end. It doesn't, doesn't lead to any joy or any nachas. But, but that's the challenge that we face personally and collectively. It's ironic that in this age of freedom, we've lost the, the ABCs of freedom, which is standing up for yourself, being your own person, listening to your own voice, listening to your own conscience, valuing your own Torah and your own conscience, to stand up to the whole world. The whole world says 2 plus 2 is 5, to have the courage to say 2 plus 2 is 4. Most people today do not have that courage. And they call it being progressive. I'm so open-minded that I get that 2 plus 2 is 5. <laughs> if you're an old-fashioned reactionary, probably a gun-toting fanatic from Brooklyn, still believe that 2 plus 2 is 4, <laughs> probably have you arrested. Um, it's ironic that in the name of freedom, people have lost all their freedoms, given up all their freedoms, starting with the freedom to think for themselves and to draw their own conclusions and to challenge the very assumptions and all underlying assumptions of everything that we face. And being proud of our Torah, 3,800 years of divine wisdom, genuine wisdom, we're still here. So 
standing up for the Jewish ideals and Jewish beliefs and Jewish faith. And uh, this is a tremendous challenge. Let's not underestimate the challenge. Especially when people are pressured to conform in the name of freedom. <laughs> it makes it even more confusing. That's called freedom. That's called progressiveness. You're so open-minded, your brains fall out and you even lose the ability to think for yourself. So, it's a very challenging thing. It's a very... You have to have backbone. You have to have spine. You have to have courage. You have to, have, this is, you have to be a real person. Stand up for yourself. Even if you're ridiculed. The very opening line in the Code of Jewish Law. Don't be embarrassed of those who ridicule you. Because that's the first step of a Jew. To be Jewish... Like Avram, the very first Jew, Avram and Ivri, the whole world was on one side, and, and Avram was against the whole world. Not because for the sake of being against. Because if the whole world was worshipping idols, and it's false, Avram wasn't embarrassed, wasn't ashamed, not only to stand up to them, but to challenge it. Publicly challenge it. This is courage. Every Jew, we're all children of Avram. We have the blood of Avram and Sarah inside of us. We have that ability. It takes courage. It takes strength. That's the first. So that's our particular challenge. You know, to, for every individual to have the courage to stand up for yourself. In the positive, we have tremendous qualities today. That we've, the amount of tzedakah that we have today, it's, it's unprecedented. Unprecedented. Tremendous. So you have to know the strength that we have that resonate within us we have to excel in it and exceed ourselves and develop it even more and we have to know the challenges we have to face and find the strength to face those challenges but that's true also individually every individual has to find to be a good Jew to be a perfect Jew and a whole Jew it's not enough to accept I have a portion in the God of Israel and I'm following the Torah and mitzvah, it's a very dynamic reality. Dynamic reality means we're all very personal, very subjective, we're all so different, every one of us. No, no two people look alike, especially Jews, no two Jews think alike. Three opinions, two Jews. And so it's a very dynamic situation, it's a very personal, per- dynamic situation. So Yiddishkeit is to be dynamic and real, it's not enough just to, I'll open the Code of Jewish Law and I know what I have to do. End of story. No, it's not enough. That's the first step. How fortunate is my lot? But then, how sweet is my portion? If you want to get to the sweetness, you want to get to the inside, you really want to connect with Hashem, to, to, to discover that chemistry within you and Hashem, you have to go to the next step. You have to realize we have a portion. We have a particular individual mission an area in our life we have to shine, we have to excel in. Every Jew has one area in his life which he can excel and shine. The simplest of the greatest. And there's one area in my life, or maybe more than one area in my life, that's going to be tough as nails. And this is, this is where I'm going to have to deal with this area. Improve myself, change myself, overcome this difficulty. God forbid, not throw in the towel. Not, not to despair to realize that this is where my gold is, this is my, my Fort Knox, this is where my treasure is, that's the whole purpose why my soul came into this world, to deal with this issue. And I'll never be whole, I'll never be happy, I'll never be complete. 
until I deal and I negotiate this issue. I deal with this issue correctly. Everyone knows their peckle. We can't exchange it. <laughs> we can't exchange each other's peckles. Everyone, it's custom made, it's customized, very personal, very subjective. But this is the question that we have to ask ourselves, honestly. And it's not so difficult to find out. You just look at these two issues. Which area of my life is inexplicably the most difficult area that causes me so much heartache, so much frustration? And which area of my life, which character flaw, area of my life that just drives me crazy? And which area of my life is actually very, very... I just love and I just have a tremendous enthusiasm and energy and it just resonates within me and I just respond to it. And that's an area I should develop to an excess. It's like the uh, beautiful story. The Talmud says, Rabbi Tarfan, Tarfan, one of the early rabbis, the Tanoim, became very ill, deathly ill. And his mother came to the base of Medrash, <coughs> to his colleagues, to daven for him. And she said, you want to know what a tzaddik my son is? How righteous he is? What a special person he is? His, lo- his respect, his honoring your parents is so profound that once on Shabbat I was walking and my uh, shoe, my sandals were torn and I was barefoot outside. My son went down on his hands and knees and didn't allow me, God forbid, that my, my bare feet should touch the ground. And instead, he used his hands as a shoe. And I put my foot and he, until he took me home. You imagine Rabbi Tarfan, the, the, the leader, the leading rabbi, is on the hands and knees in the ground for the sake of his old mother. He says, please, you have to daven for my son. The rabbis responded, Ah, you call that love, you call that honoring your parents. That's called honoring your parents. That's nothing. That's, didn't even, that's not called honoring your parents. You don't know what honoring your parents is. Ace of honor, Yitzchak. That's honoring a parent. This is nothing. Very puzzling Talmud, very puzzling story. I mean, the mother is begging for his life. Is this a time to start criticizing? <laughs> They, they want, to, want to bring a merit. You should say, yeah, wonderful, what a tzaddik, what a holy Jew, and this merit, you should have a reform, shalema, complete healing. This is a time to find fault, to start criticizing, to nitpick. It is, is it the greatest level of honoring your parents? So the Katsuka Rebbe says, no, the rabbis saved his life. Because obviously, for Rabbi Tarfan, the mitzvah of honoring your parents, this was his mitzvah. This was his mitzvah. For this Talmudic rabbi, the mitzvah was tzitzis. But for Rabbi Tarfan, this was his mitzvah. He excelled in this mitzvah. He was on his deathbed. What does that mean? His time is up. He fulfilled his mission. This was his mitzvah. He perfected this mitzvah. The, his particular mission, mission accomplished. He can now go back. He can go up. His soul can go back home. So the rabbis came, and she was begging for his life. The rabbi said, that's called Akibut That's called honoring your parents. He's a baby. He barely graduated pre-1A kindergarten. He has so much more to learn, so much more to discover, so much more to advance. He hasn't even graduated it's ABC. What he's done is nothing. So they gave him a new life. They gave him a new lease on life. 
His life is finished, his life is over, his mission accomplished, his mission didn't even start yet. He was playing around, playing around in kindergarten, playing around in the sandbox. Now it's time to get serious. Now he has to get well, and now he has to, to really develop the mitzvah of Kibbutz Hava'in. So everyone has to know what their particular mission is. And Hashem gives us the strength and the amount of years that we need exactly days and weeks and months and years and minutes and seconds that we need to fulfill our general mission of keeping all the Torah and mitzvot and particularly our lot which is to develop that one area in our life which is the gateway for all the rest of the mitzvot and to mend whatever needs mending to fix those areas in our life our vulnerable spots and to perfect those parts within our life our sages of blessed memory quote the question, with what commandment was your father most careful? To which the answer was, with the commandment of Titus. This means that the performance of this commandment kindled within this man a particularly luminous revelation. And it was this godly light that inspired his scrupulous performance. In the spirit of this teaching, and in view of the fact that the three root letters of the word Zahir, translated above as careful, also mean luminous. The above quoted question has been understood by the Mithra Rebbe, as follows, as a result of which commandment was your father most luminous? Likewise, not all the generations are the same. Not only do souls differ, generations differ as well. There have been generations whose primary spiritual challenge was the study of Torah, and other generations was charity, and so on. The reason for this is that the souls of those generations were especially illuminated by the performance of those specific commandments. For just as with the organs of man, each organ has its particular and distinctive function, the eye to see and the ear to hear. So too, through each commandment, the commandments being known as the organs of the king, that radiates a particular and distinctive light from the infinite and so light. So just like he said earlier that all neshamas, all souls are rooted in the soul primordial man, in Adam, Marishad, who is like the organism that contains all 600,000 souls, which each organ then <coughs> is further subdivided into another 600,000, to many, many details. So every neshama is rooted in a different organ. That's why some the leaders of the Jewish people are called the eyes of the Jewish people. Eneha Eda. Torah refers to them as the eyes of the congregation. Because they're rooted in Adam's ability to see. They have that, and therefore they have those qualities. They're the visionaries, they're the seers, they're those who hear. They're rooted in, in others hearing, they're those who are able to hear and able to listen. They're those who are hard, they're those who are very passionate and very alive and very warm and heartfelt because they're rooted in, in, in the emotion. So every neshama and in general, every generation is rooted in different parts. Our generation is rooted, we are called the ikvasa, the ikvasa de mashiach, the soles of the soles of the feet, <laughs> the scraping the bottom of the barrel, the bottom of the bottom, um, which also has a very unique function. It upholds the whole body. The whole body rests on the soles of the soles. It rests on us. The head, the brain, the eyes, Moses, the generation that left Egypt, that stood at Sinai, that stood at the temple, they are all resting on us. We are upholding the entire Jewish experience. We are vindicating the entire Jewish experience. Us, here, now, today. It's pretty humbling. Uh, 
humbling realization. And, and they were humbled. Moshe was humbled. And he saw our generation, he was completely floored and humbled. So every generation has its strength. We are the foot soldiers. We are the soldiers. Soldiers. The legs, the feet, carry the whole body. They're good soldiers. So you can put a, a leg into hot water. Hard to put your head into hot water. But a leg is a soldier. You say, go into hot water, go into hot water. We are, we have that dedication. Because the leg is much more dedicated to the soul than even the, the head. The head is a mind of its own. So the soul says, go into hot water. The, the head says, are you kidding me? <laughs> The leg is a soldier. Go into fire, go into fire. No questions. March, march. Because the dedication and the devotion of our generation is unprecedented. And that's what Moshe saw. He saw the dedication and the selflessness and the dedication and devotion of a Jew today to Yiddishkeit, to Hashem. This this puts the early generations to shame. That's our quality. We don't have... We don't have their mind, we don't have their eyes, we don't have their ears, we don't have their heart. We are the midgets of the midgets. But what we do have, which is the envy of all previous generations, the envy of Moshe, is that dedication, devotion, total dedication, total devotion. So every generation has its strength, every generation has its uniqueness. Will we shine, will we excel? Although every Jewish soul needs to be reincarnated in order to fulfill all 613 commandments, how then can we say that a soul that descends to this world in a given period will receive its godly illumination as an individualized bequest, thereby necessitating particular scrupulousness in specific commands? So he says every neshama, every Jew has to fulfill all 613 commandments. And if you don't fulfill 630 mitzvot, your soul will be reincarnated. If you fulfill 612, your soul will be reincarnated in order to be able to fulfill all 613. Now, it doesn't mean literally to fulfill all 613 because many mitzvot are not applicable to most Jews. They're mitzvot that are applicable to the king. How many kings could there be? It can't be 600, <laughs> even though they may feel like it. <laughs> There's 600,000 kings. But, but in the Jewish law, the king is only one. One or two, and you had the Jewish king, uh, the king of the tribe of Judah. Um, Cohen, you have to be a Cohen, the high priest. There's many mitzvot that are not applicable, but he means the mitzvot that are applicable to everyone. It says, How can a Jew fulfill all 613 mitzvot? It's not possible. Your soul will come down, be reincarnated as a king. There's only one king. How many souls can be reincarnated as a king? or as a high priest. Or, but there are two ways that all Jews can fulfill all 613 mitzvot. One is by studying Torah. It says when you study about the sacrifice, Hashem considered as if you offered the sacrifice. When you're studying a mitzvah, even though it's not applicable to you, today, there's no temple. When you're studying about the, building a temple, Hashem considers as if you're building the temple. You're studying about the sacrifices, you're reading about the sacrifice, Hashem considers as if you offered a sacrifice. So through the power of Torah, we can, vicariously, we can fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. Even those that are not applicable, practically not applicable. That's one way. Another way for us to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs 
since the Jewish people are responsible for each other, we're all connected with each other, we're all one. It's the same blood that flows throughout the whole body. The same blood circulates from your toenail all the way to your brain. The blood keeps on circulating. So since Jews are all united and we're all connected and we're all one, so when, when the king does a mitzvah, he's doing it not only for himself, he's doing it for the rest of the Jewish people. We all do a mitzvah, we're all part of the whole, so we're all connected, so we all fulfill each other's obligation. But every one of us has to fulfill every mitzvah that's practically, that's applicable to us, so we have to fulfill practically. And if we don't fulfill even one mitzvah, the soul has to be reincarnated and come down, because you have to be whole. Just like, God forbid, you're missing a finger, you're a cripple. If a soul is missing one single mitzvah, it's very nice, but it's crippled. The soul has to be reincarnated with all the trauma and pain that's involved to get the opportunity to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. So how can you say that there's one mitzvah which you have to be particularly careful? Every mitzvah we have to be careful. So careful because if you miss one mitzvah you're going to have to be reincarnated and come back into this world just to do that one single mitzvah. So every mitzvah is important. Vitally important. How can you say one mitzvah is more special than that? So he says, nevertheless, continue. This heightened attention focused on a particular commandment is necessary only for the sake of an additional measure of vigilance and zeal. So every mitzvah we have to do with vigilance and zeal. Every mitzvah. It's so important. Because if you miss one mitzvah, you're going to have to be reincarnated and come back into this world just to be whole and complete to fulfill that one single mitzvah. But nevertheless, there is one particular mitzvah in which you have to have an additional measure of vigilance and an additional measure of zeal. A zeal doubly and exceedingly elevated and powerful, far surpassing one's zeal in the fulfillment of the other commandments. Hence, the word most used by the above-quoted individual when he asked, with what commandment was your father most careful? He didn't say, which commandment is your father careful? He was careful of all 613 commandments. His question was, which commandment is your father more careful? Way above the, the, uh, the zeal and the vigilance of all the rest of the mitzvah, the other 612 mitzvah. Which one particular mitzvah is way overboard? This is one mitzvah which is no limit. The, the zeal and the vigilance and the, the way you're doing the mitzvah is way above, way beyond call of duty, way beyond the rest of the mitzvah, which enables you to do all the other 612 mitzvahs with zeal and vigilance. This is what illuminates your soul. This is what lights your fire. Everyone has one mitzvah that lights your fire. For scrupulous observance indeed applies to all commandments, the question was only which command earned his keenest attention. Okay. Now the superiority of this individual light that is bestowed upon individual souls through the performance of a particular commandment is not in the category apprehensible reason, but transcends it. For does it arose in God's thought, so to speak, that certain souls be granted additional illumination through the performance of particular commandments. And its model below is truly the concept of a lot. For the fact that one person reads a lot while others do not is likewise not in the category of reprehensible reason. Rather, so has it been deemed from above as the 
universal indicates the law is cast into the light and from God is its disposition. This then is the meaning of how pleasant is our law. The disposition of a particular degree of godly illumination to a specific soul through the performance of a select command is wholly dependent upon a consideration that transcends logic. It's a law determined from above. So that's what he says. That this is the how sweet is our lot. That this is something that's completely beyond logic. Why does someone win a lottery? <laughs> Not logical. Nothing you can do logically or rationally. It's, it's you won, you win. So too, you can't explain it logically or rationally. Why this mitzvah speaks to me. And there's nothing wrong, there's nothing right about it. But everyone has something, some things that really speak to you. Some things that you're just wired for. Uh, just different people understand different things. Certain topics that they just relate to better, connect with. Can't explain it. Some people understand business very well. Some people, like business, it doesn't, they they can't begin to make sense of it. They understand math very well, or physics. I mean, everyone has different areas that you just respond to. You know, you can't, it's not a logical thing. How does everyone find their way in life? You know, it's, it's not logical. And the proof is, you can tell the five-year-old kid, you, you can tell the businessman who's a five-year-old, he's five-year-old, he's already making money, selling <laughs> Kool-Aid, he's already figuring things out. <laughs> Maybe. It's not logical, but he just has a feeling for it, a knack for it. You know, just he responds to it. It's out there, but one person responds, and one person is like, doesn't talk to me. It means nothing to me. It doesn't. One person responds to spirituality, and one person just doesn't mean anything. It's it's a very personal, subjective thing. Every soul responds to different things. There are people who are activists. They're doers. They respond to, let me roll up my sleeve, let me do something, let me get something done. How can I help? Let me do the mitzvah, let, let me do something. And uh, there are those who are thinkers. They respond to thinking. That's what lights their fire. That's what excites them. There are those who are feeling. They have, to have, they have to feel that warmth and the joy and that passion and that intensity and our generation is primarily an activist generation. That's where we shine and we excel. We're not the greatest minds and not the greatest thinkers and not the greatest uh, original thinkers, surely not. And uh, not the, uh, we're not so passionate and, you know, but we're doers. We get things done. And we can do things on a grand scale. We're activists. We can create change, we can get things done. Everyone is different. Everyone responds differently. And you simply have to know what your lot is in life. This is your lot in life. You can't fight it. You have to embrace it. This is who I am. You can't change it. It's not right or wrong. It just is. This is who I am. This is what my soul is all about. This is what speaks to my soul. This is why my, my, my neshama came down into this world. 
of course, to fulfill all 613 mitzvot. But particularly within the 613 mitzvot, there's one mitzvah that really speaks to me. For that rabbi, it was, he said his father was tzitzis. That was his mitzvah that spoke to him. Every one of us has a particular mitzvah that really speaks to us, that gets to us, that speaks to us, that ignites our spark. It never fails to ignite the spark, to really reach me. To reach the real me, to really get to me. Because the truth is that it's not enough just to go through the motions or even not going through the motions, even if you're doing the mitzvah with zeal and with enthusiasm, but you're doing all 613 mitzvot. So too is every Jew doing all 613 mitzvot. But where's your individual self? Where's your particular self? Unless you're involving, you're engaging your individual self. The whole Tanya was based on that. The whole Tanya is based on the verse Moshe says to every Jew that being Jewish is something that's close to you personally, individually. So, if it's not enough just to do the 630. I'm a Jew and I'm obligated and I'm doing 630 mitzvot and I'm even doing it passionately. It's not enough. It's very superficial. In order to get to the sweetness of Yiddishkeit, where Yiddishkeit becomes truly sweet, it has to be your lot. It has to be personal. You have to be on fire. You as an individual have to be on fire. How does Yiddishkeit touch you in a very deep way? Light your fire. Illuminate you. The real you. In a very personal way. We're just, it involves your, your personal chemistry. You're just completely connected. Completely resonates within you. And it, it really you. It becomes you. Unless you have that personal relationship with Hashem, that's where the sweetness comes in. Sweetness is that sense of intimacy. There's a relationship between me and Hashem. There's a sweetness. I feel close to Hashem. It's not just I'm going, I'm doing 613 things. Obligations. And I'm doing it with zest conscientiously but it's not personal there's no sweetness there's no intimacy it doesn't resonate there's no chemistry something is absent you're absent you're doing everything but you know you're not really there it's a very sobering thought (laughs) you're doing everything and on the surface, doing it passionately, as he says here, with vigilance and zeal. But there's nobody home. <laughs> You're not there. It's not real. Yes, fortunate, that's my lot. It's my portion, and I have a portion, and I'm bringing the divine, I'm touching the divine. And the... But where's the personal? Where's the individual? Where's the real you? Are you fully engaged? Are you sleepwalking? Is this a cakewalk for you? Is, is this real? You know, has Hashem really gotten to you? Are you really, are you really, is Yiddishkeit for real for you? Or not? Is it alive for you? And this is very personal, very individual. And that level, once you touch how sweet it is, my lot, I'm not doing this to please my parents. I'm not doing it to please my community. I'm not doing it to please... It's so personal. It's me. 
I'm responding. It's me. It's, I, I have a sweetness. I have a relationship with Hashem. It's person to person. Hashem gave me a lot. He's talking to me personally. This is your personal, individual, subjective, personal mission. It's a personal relationship. And this you're not going to find just by studying the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara. That's Hashem. How fortunate are we? We have our portion. Hashem made Himself accessible. HaKadosh Baruch who made Himself accessible to us. But Hashem then took us a little deeper. How sweet is our lot. We can reach a level of sweetness when Yiddishkeit becomes sweet because it's personal. It's real. It comes alive for us in such a real way. And it's person to me and Hashem, personally. The whole Ten Commandments were given in the singular. <coughs> Hashem didn't say, Hashem Elokechem, I am God, your God, in the plural. Elokecha, I am God, your God. Every one of us stood at Sinai, every Nishrama, and Hashem spoke to each and every one of us personally. The thunder, the lightning, the whole giving of the Torah, Hashem spoke to each and every one of us personally. He imprinted Himself, He implanted Himself, Hashem I am God, your God. This is about a personal relationship. It's not some abstract, heavenly energy, otherworldly energy. It's a noichi, I, who am I? Hashem it's person to person, direct. This is manoyim gerolena. How sweet is our portion? That Hashem has chosen us individually and personally, not just chosen us collectively, and given us a particular mission through which we connect them so personally. We have to discover that within ourselves. And unless our Yiddishkeit is on that level, it's very superficial. It's like the body of the Torah. The Talmud, the law, that's the body of the Torah. Body is, without a body, you're, you're, <laughs> you're dead. But then you want the soul. You don't want a corpse, God forbid, you want a soul, alive. For the body to be alive, for the neshama, to the, for the sweetness. For that you have to study the Tanya, you have to study Hasidus to get to that personal relationship and connection, to realize that this relationship is vibrant, dynamic, alive, real, actual. And therefore I have to ask myself the question. This is not a question I'm going to, it's not an answer I'm going to find in the pages of the Code of Jewish Law because I have to do all 613 minutes. It's a very personal, personal question that I have to ask myself. What is my lot? Which mitzvah do I have to go way above the letter of the law, way overboard? Because this is the mitzvah that will cause my soul to illuminate, cause me to connect, that resonates with me, that will reveal that chemistry, personal chemistry to me and Hashem. Once I reveal the chemistry, then it alivens all the other 612 mitzvahs. And which areas of my life are the most difficult? Those are the areas that I have to focus on. That's my personal charge and mission. This is the tough assignment. You give a soldier a tough assignment. You have to overcome this hill. You gotta climb this hill. You gotta, you gotta conquer this enemy. And until you do until you do that, you know, you haven't won the battle, you know, until the mission accomplished. So we have to ask ourselves, what's our mission? What a way to live. The Yiddishkeit is very personal. Now, it's not at Sinai 3,320, 20, uh, 24 years, 26 years, 5 years ago. Hashem gave us a Torah, and, it's, and we're obligated to the Torah. No, today, Hashem is charging me with a particular mission, here and now, in the year, two, in the year 5,774. 
And at this particular time and place that I find myself in, what's my mission? What's my challenge? What does Hashem need me for? What, what's my purpose? To live with a sense of mission and to be able to, to ask yourself that question, to even know to ask yourself that question. And the ability to answer that question without studying Tanya, you don't even know that there, has, there is a question to ask. <laughs> you don't even know that there is a need to ask that question. And surely you don't even know how to answer that question. To create that personal, that sweetness, that personal connection where Yiddishkeit becomes sweet and, and it becomes real for me. The Alter Rebbe finishes the letter. The, the children, this part of the Tanya was added, the fourth part of the Tanya was added after the passing of the Alter Rebbe unlike the first three parts of the Tanya. So they took out, every letter has a whole introduction. You know, the, the, the greetings, they took it out, and they took out also the ending of some of the letters. This letter, they took out the ending. Because they left in the body of a letter, which is, this was an appeals letter, but this is not an appeals letter you read on your bed, this is an appeals letter. This is an appeals letter that you have to study, and you really have to understand, appreciate, and understand what he's saying. So, at the end of the letter, he concludes how sweet is our portion that we have the ability to give tzedakah, to support the land of Israel. He's referring to Kol Chabad, to help the Jews in Israel. This letter was written actually a year before the Alter Rebbe was arrested for exactly that reason. The libel against him was that he's supporting the enemy, because Israel then was under the Turkish, under, under the Ottoman Empire, which was a, who was at war with Russia. So they argue that he's supporting the enemy, sending so much money to Israel to support the enemy. Of course, it was a lie. It was to support the Jews who had no way of surviving, who were making a living. There was, no, was, was no commerce to talk of. It's impossible to literally to make a living. So they relied for their sustenance. They relied on the generosity of the Jews in Eastern Europe who themselves were so impoverished. Every family took literally a piece of their bread from their children to send away to the Jews in Israel. So this is, this is how the Alter Rebbe concludes the letter. How sweet is our portion? We have to know what our mission is and our particular mission, our challenge is to be able to give tzedakah to support our brethren in the Holy Land. And he's appealing to every... Jewish family in Russia to put aside, no matter how difficult life is, put aside, because there's always someone who's less fortunate than you, no matter how, how impoverished we are, there's always someone who's less off than us. Put aside something, everyone according to their own level, and together we'll be able to collect some mon- serious money that will go to help the Jews in Israel. That's how he concludes the letter. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.